Kesa, this is one of those songs. It is indeed an earth song that just uh, gets us uh, to begin to look at how we treat one another and uh, how we interconnected and how we cause harm to one another and that is Earth Song Michael Jackson and um, leading us uh, to starting this uh, talk on I Am an African looking at mining safety in Africa we've read about tragedies in Zimbabwe Liberia Ghana and uh, South Africa and uh, where else uh, should this be happening for the world to take time out and begin to look at uh, lives lost that these are not just numbers these are human beings and uh, joining us is uh, Ross Harvey who is is a senior researcher at the South African Institute for International Affairs. Good afternoon and welcome, Mr. Harvey. Hi, Kasala. How are you? I, I feel like, you know, we, we keep talking, but I'm not sure whether there's political willingness to even punish um, some of these people who invest in, in, in bogus um, mining uh, 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 opportunities. I don't even know whether opportunity is, is the correct word. Yeah, Kasala, look, I... I think that uh, there are a combination of methods one can use to try and improve safety in mining. One is a government stick approach. Uh, the other is a, is a more incentive-based approach, and I think that some combination of the two is, is optimal. Uh, also remember that with mining safety uh, and with fatalities in particular, it reflects very badly on a company's reputation mm. uh, and it does make shareholders particularly jittery uh, and mining companies generally speaking especially those that are listed um, are under massive pressure to move towards a zero fatality uh, operation um, I think that uh, there's a lot that goes on in the industry that we don't know about uh, and your irresponsible players tend to be those that are not listed, that mm. don't have any means of accountability to their stakeholders or their shareholders. Uh, and those, that's really where, where a large part of the problem comes in. I think we tend to focus on the kind of facilities we've had, uh, say, uh, in, in Sabanya mines, uh, but that, uh, that often misses the point of the deeper systemic issues. You know, we've, we've got fatalities happening in illegal mines uh, all the time. You know, and that's often where uh, the government needs to have, play a more active role. Uh, big mining companies mm-hmm. that have a reputation to look after uh, are already involved in a, a system that kind of provides a combination of sticks and carrots. And and I mean I stand to be corrected um, here, but uh, what what we've seen in in society is we we read about the deaths, uh, but we yet to see uh, where there's uh, repercussions for people who make these um, wrong investments, uh, as in investing in illegal mining. Uh, have you ever had any organisations perhaps um, that would be banned by the country because you have a a mining operation? Um, that closes down um, but is not properly sealed and, and giving uh, rise to these illegal operations? Yeah, look, again, I mean, that is that is a matter... Uh, uh, there are two things to say here. One is that uh, our government has not dealt particularly well either in the past or in the present with mm. uh, legacy mines uh, and with this issue of, of mine closure and building in mine closure requirements uh, from the get-go, and so you land up with this problem where 
mines have been abandoned uh, and the company no longer exists. And so the conversation keeps going. Well, whose responsibility is it? And we don't have a clear answer. It also doesn't help when your rehabilitation fund sitting in the DMR gets looted. Uh, and that's something that government in the present has to take responsibility for because there, there is a legacy to deal with. But this government needs to be responsible and a good steward of, of the environment and of people's lives and therefore needs to use the money that, that is allocated for the appropriate purposes. Um, and that hasn't always been done. Um, and so there, there has to be a cleaning up operation. You know, these activities are, it, illegal mining activities are incredibly dangerous for people. I think where it gets complicated as well is where some of those illegal tunnels meet uh, legal operational tunnels mm-hmm. uh, and where you have staff that are moonlighting. In other words, staff who are employed by day by uh, a, a mining ah, house. And by night they're serving uh, uh, these operations. Absolutely. You know, and that does, it creates difficulty. And that, that happens partly because uh, people are not sufficiently remunerated. It may also be uh, under financial pressure for a host of reasons. Because surely uh, it must be people who, who are familiar with the, with the system um, who, who then become part of uh, these uh, bogus um, illegal mining activities. I mean, uh, when we're taking a break. When we return, I'd like us to reflect on uh, what happened in, in Liberia with 65 miners, some armed. This is becoming now dangerous. We uh, bogus uh, is, is just hijacked by thugs, I think. All right, uh, we take a break. We'll be back straight after this. Discussions impacting your life the most. And we therefore encourage you to participate actively as a concerned citizen. And uh, we're talking, I'm an African, and looking at uh, mining safety in Africa. And uh, invite you to connect uh, in the conversation at SAFM Radio. You can hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live, or you can give us a call on 0891-104-207, or your SMS is at 40938, charged at 150. Joining us uh, on the line right now um, to just help us unpack this conversation um, is uh, Ross Harvey, who is a senior researcher at uh, South African Institute of International Affairs. And let's look at uh, what happened in uh, in Liberia. And this is a case that you don't see as often, uh, where government moves swiftly to just arrest those who are illegally mining. But it seems like in, in countries like your Zimbabwe, South Africa, we wait until there's um, a tragedy. And, and then we come up with rescue missions, uh, but there are no arrests that I have known to be made. Yeah, Christelle, look, the, the, uh, the situation in weakly institutionalized con- contexts where minerals are sometimes used uh, to fund and proliferate armed conflicts are quite different to the, the situations that, you know, we would expect uh, government to intervene in illegal mining here and shut down the syndicates that operate in our illegal mines, although mm. it's an admittedly big task. You know, we've got 6,000 or, or more open mine shafts what? that people have access to, and there are under, underground cities uh, essentially operating in South Africa with, you know, prostitution, gambling, uh, literally underground cities. That's a different issue to what goes on in places like Liberia, Sierra Leone, Zimbabwe. Um, and there it's, it's often quite difficult. Sometimes when a government does make arrests, uh, it's not necessarily because they're trying to clean up illegal operations. Mm. It's because they want access to the rent. 
Wow. Um, or, or because they are trying to uh, mitigate the activities of rebel groups. Uh, and it, it may also simply be um, a reaction that has some kind of political payoff. Uh, so those are relatively different situations, um, and they are very complex to deal with. Um, you know, and we have some initiatives set up to try and deal with conflict minerals. They are not particularly effective for a host of reasons. Mm. Uh, and one example is the fact that when uh, the Zimbabwean government in 2008 uh, supported a military takeover of the Marangi diamond fields, um, they were not held to account at all through the Kimberley process uh, and those diamonds were sold to a Chinese company uh, who was willing to take 50% stake. In other words, there was 50-50 partnership between the military and a Chinese company uh, and that kind of arrangement completely rides roughshod over uh, initiatives like the Kimberley process that are meant to identify where diamonds come from uh, and clean up the supply chain. but the definition of conflict minerals did not, at that stage, and still doesn't include uh, governments who get into mm-hmm. the game. You know, they uh, they essentially are orientated towards uh, <laughs> towards rebel groups, and they don't really have a category for when government becomes uh, essentially its own militia um, and and muddies the waters. So it's difficult to deal with these dynamics in a in a continent where so many countries but do we uh, know, have governments behaving badly. Do we know where these people who then become, um, uh, you know, volunteers um, for just, uh, because it's endangering one's life uh, when you go into an illegal mining em- em- environment, um, do you know where these people are from? And, and what is the motivation? So it's, it's almost always poverty-driven, mm. uh, and and there's a there's a, a continuum here as well. You know, not all uh, informal mining is illegal. Uh, in South Africa, almost all informal mining is illegal, but some is not. Uh, in places like the DRC, Sierra Leone, uh, Liberia, and, and so forth, the uh, the majority of mining, I would say, is probably artisanal uh, in that it's unsophisticated dangerous, environmentally destructive, but is essentially a livelihood option for an enormous number of people. Uh, And the research is very clear uh, in indicating that incomes from artisanal mining are much higher than the alternatives, or at least are perceived that way. What often isn't taken into consideration is that uh, if you use mercury and cyanide, for instance, to sift for gold and then to process the gold, uh, that you are mining informally, uh, that can contaminate your water resources, uh, which then negatively affects your uh, agricultural opportunities in the surrounding area. Uh, and so while you may be getting uh, uh, higher rents in the short term or higher income, uh, you may be destroying an entire area's ability to produce food. Uh, so you have money today, but no food tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and again, that comes down to government's capacity and willingness to uh, to come up with policy solutions that don't undermine the benefits of informality, uh, but also don't just uh, allow people to uh, to be taken for of, granted. Yeah, um, if we can just take that to be exploited. 
you know, one of these days, I want someone who's bold enough to answer a call live on air. Because sometimes people hear your voice and uh, they then begin to dial your number. Uh, Ross Harvey is joining us as senior researcher at the South African Institute uh, for International uh, Affairs. And we're talking about mining safety and taking your calls on 0891-104-207. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 107.1 FM in Seapoint. And we are available 104 to 107 FM nationwide. And right now we go to Michelle's plane. AB, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, lady. How are you, man? Wonderful. How are you, sir? Fine, my dear. I've reached a beautiful song of Michael Jackson. What are we doing to the world? You know, this is applicable to South Africa. Africa and the globe is, is a whole. Mining is good because, why? Well, in fact, sometimes it becomes a curse in, to, in today's context. Mm. Because, because if you got oil, you got money, uh, diamonds, they are branches in this world. In, in camouflage, the tells you they want to bring peace to the world. And it's exactly, and it's transpired for decades yet, even in my, own, in my own continent. And it's high time. I hardly learn it. It is high time that people stand up to the real terrorists of the world. Mm. Donald Trump, not only Trump. In fact, so so many times, and and what a great fallacy to call this country Great Britain. If you should see what role this country has played for many, many decades in in section centuries, this country is not not a Great Britain. Mm. France, Germany is good. To have industrialize your country, but not with these kinds of people. And I think it's a change shifting in the world today. Sure. And we in South Africa, we should enhance these kinds of changes because, from even in my own country, it's not free mm. of this kind of. They, they call it uh, uh, what? Uh, colonization. It's not colonization. Mm. This is uh, terrorism. This is the initiation of terrorism that the people can. They even I'm in this country because of terrorism. But I finally want to say, what the fuck you know? The indigenous peoples of this country mm. hardly derive any benefit of the riches was given to them. In fact, this even this even uh, um, the, the global the climate this highly uh, so educated professors that profess that uh, uh, missions of 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 gas in, mm. uh, uh, in, in, in you know this is what a minute thing. Uh, uh, that uh, constitutes Thank all the unstable climate conditions that because of greed, uh, because of killing, uh, mm. uh, of Indeed, a tragedy. And nobody's going to tell these people these things. And they must stop and try and change their but there you are. towards the world, world lady. But there you are, A.B. Thank you so much uh, for being in, an SAFM listener who is concerned. Uh, you are Thank telling you. them, speaking truth to power. And it sounds Thank like, you, uh, you know, Africa's minerals are becoming a curse to its people and a blessing to investors. Uh, we take your questions, comments straight after these uh, news headlines with Utsile Sako. Hashtag SAFM Lifetime.
And uh, when you receive messages like these, Khancho uh, saying illegal mining, a.k.a. Zamazama, is highly organized, structured with ranking organization, including millionaires, multimillionaires, mine captains, security. Uh, then who 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 gets who gets to dig in and be trapped? Uh, weak intelligence can't uh, penetrate, and that's a Khancho. And Ross, that, for me, then it it just goes to um, what AB just said that uh, this thing is as massive; it's huge. We are just scratching the surface with this conversation. Yeah, look, it it is it's it's a big issue, but I think the the point is that we, we have to use the right categories mm. firstly and we need enough research to categorize properly and then come up with appropriate solutions for each context specific problem. But is there uh, willingness and, to do this? Well it's it's not as if government in our context for instance has unlimited resources uh to to deal with it. You know, so it's one thing to have the will and I think there's some level of will. I'm not sure that there's necessarily uh, an appropriate level of understanding of the extent of the problem and just how necessary it is to, to deal with it. Also, it's a political hot potato because as mm. soon as you come up with a solution, it does negatively affect some people's livelihoods. So it's not just that it's not just a simple narrative of, you know, people are being exploited and so on. Yes, they are, yeah. um, but they're also earning a living that they wouldn't otherwise earn. Now, some people are coerced and forced into underground mines in South Africa. So migrant laborers who in the past would have come to work on formal mines sometimes are literally trafficked against their will to come and work in South African mines. And there's an excellent book on this called Between the Rainbows and the Rain Mm. by Philip Frankel, who's a bit sociologist, and he talks about uh, this kind of thing. He says you can literally watch it going on if you sit at a a bottle store in Rustenburg, for instance, you can watch people arriving by taxi from Mozambique being shafted off to one shaft or another, um, and uh, and often that is against people's will. So there is a trafficking racket, and sometimes the taxi organisations are involved. And I, I mean, if you just think about government's reluctance to deal with taxis on our roads, mm, uh, mm, you know, mm. do we really have the, the the will to deal with taxi gangs? That, if you read Mark Shaw's book called uh, hitmen for hire, uh, you, you see that uh, the taxi gangs are incredibly well organized and have a huge amount of power. And these are some of the dynamics we are dealing with. I don't know that there's collaboration between those gangs yeah. and uh, formal mining companies. But, you know, this is a, a very nuanced and tricky political problem to deal with. And I'm not sure that the understanding is necessarily there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if the understanding was there, who's going to deal with it? Who wants to take on this kind of controversy, it's uh, it's very complicated. And I think that's why people in government run away from the problem. And only get involved when there's tragedy. We're talking about mining safety in Africa, whether it is considered. And uh, looking at this, uh, hardly two weeks since uh, the conclusion of the Invest in Africa Mining Endeavor. And it, it would be interesting to even note uh, whether this was a discussion point and uh, whether there were any resolutions taken. Uh, Leo, um, said, I've grown to know that I'm also referred to as DDM. I didn't know that 
that applies to me, DDM. All right, Leo says, uh, you failed to mention Gloria um, Mine as a mine tragedy in Africa. Well, we didn't mention specific mines. Uh, we're just talking about uh, some of the country tragedies um, that have happened in, in Africa. And uh, you are more than welcome to just mention the one that you know of in the details uh, thereafter. Do you, are you aware, Ross, that uh, perhaps uh, there was any conversation around um, um, uh, mine safety and whether there are any um, safety standards that needs uh, to be adhered to? Yeah, absolutely. Every single year that I go to the mining in Darba, safety is is up high on the agenda and, and that is for reasons that I mentioned earlier. Shareholders do not want to invest in businesses that have bad press and I think that is increasingly the case. Mm. Uh, and, and formal listed mines uh, formal listed mining companies are under massive pressure to to move toward a zero fatality outcome. Now, as tragic and as terrible as these accidents are, and I totally agree, but they should never happen. What we also have to remember, uh, and this is a very uh, unpalatable point to make, is that South African South Africa's mines are incredibly deep. A lot of our gold mines are running to beyond three kilometres underground. Yeah. Now, if you put anybody three kilometres under the ground, it's incredibly dangerous. This is this is crazily dangerous work, and it's work that can only be done by humans in many contexts because of the geology of the particular stoke that that you may happen to be dealing with. Mm. Um, and so, yes, we could mechanise, and it, 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 probably not that deep, but we could mechanise. Uh, and in many respects, we'll have to to ensure the continued profitability of any of our gold mines. Uh, and in 10 to 15 years' time, probably hardly any of South Africa's gold mines will still be prof- profitable, even with uh, the advance of new technology. But as soon as you mechanize, people lose their jobs. So, you know, this is not a simple matter of saying, listen, we're going to shut you down because you had, you had some fatalities. Now, those fatalities are individually terrible. But the solution isn't to say, look, we're going to implement a Section 54 stoppage and shut you down until you come to zero zero fatalities. Uh, you, you need a, a really solid working relationship between mining companies and, and governments. And again, as I said in the beginning, you know, there are many more people dying mm. uh, in illegal mining activities that nobody knows anything about. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we put pressure on, on formalized listed mining companies, and rightly so. They should move towards zero facility. But these are the companies with the standards. I mean, if you go on a mine tour, you can't believe the extent uh, to which safety is, is taken seriously. Mm. Well, um, I've done talks in some of the mines, and uh, you, you wonder how did we get here when uh, the measures are just so stringent from the, uh, you know, the way um, uh, what you have to wear uh, to observe safety standards. And you, you wonder, but I mean, a point that you mentioned earlier about uh, trafficking as well, uh, when it's people who have nothing to lose uh, from their perspective, how do you manage that as a country? Right, here's a, a WhatsApp voice note, and you can do the same on 0614-104-107. Hi, Chris, this is Mac. One of the issues is the issue of the license conditions of the mine. It has an EMP, Environmental Management Plan, that is supposed to be adhered to when you open the mine, when you close the mine. And it is supposed to be monitors, monitored and supervised 
by DME and the Department of Environment, which means they are also slipping on the wheel. They are not doing their work to enforce. And there you go, um, uh, Department of uh, Minerals and Energy. Uh, why are these spaces not properly sealed? That, uh, you know, there's still access uh, for, for illegal operations. Yeah, you know, the, the department has limited resources and also the department often doesn't have the political will uh, to take on uh, illegal operators, especially if people in the DMR are benefiting from that. And that's something we just have to say. There has been extensive corruption in the Department of Mineral Resources. It's something that Minister Mantashe is trying to tackle. Uh, but you know, we, we're not talking about the state here as some kind of uh, disinterested player. Um, but we're talking about individuals who are in the state, uh, in, in bureaucratic positions, who may also have a stake in uh, in illegal mining uh, for, for a host of reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. If you just consider how controversial some of the licensing uh, deals have been over the last 10 years, uh, it, it's you know, you can't discount the possibility that the DMR is, um, let's put it politely, in some respects involved in some locations. Um, the other problem, of course, is a, a sheer lack of capacity for dealing with these kinds of things in governments and also the relationship between the DMR and the Department of Environmental Affairs uh, when it comes to mining is not very clear cut. Mm. Um, uh, the Department of Environment arguably doesn't offer, it doesn't exercise nearly enough oversight, uh, both in in the planning and in the the dealing with closure and whatever that. And like I guess I said, in the we beginning, also closure uh, is the real problem here. I also have a sense, um, Ross, that we're not sensitizing communities as well in and around those areas um, to just uh, guard against uh, such because somehow it, it impacts and affects the community. It's not just about uh, the illegal mining. Here's another voice note. Hi. Good afternoon, Criselda. Uh, it's KGM here again. Look, Crisella, there's one part that I think we we also need to consider when we talk to issues like these illegal mining. Isn't the the number of death in illegal mining just a tip of an iceberg in terms of how many people actually perishes in our formal or legal mines on a daily basis? The second point is the people who are said to be involved who have money is it not cheaper for them to use these poor fellows who go down and mine as opposed to following the right procedures and mining lawfully and legally all right your response ross uh yeah so i think if i got that correctly it's it's almost always the case that mm. it's easier to make money from illegal, unre- unregulated Absolutely, activities. Absolutely, because you don't have to from... be to uphold anything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you don't have to follow formal procedures. You don't have to incur the cost of licensing, the transaction costs of dealing with a recalcitrant government. Uh, you have none of those issues. Now, of course, you do work at greater risk, um, but your overheads are far less expensive and almost invariably the guys funding these kind of operations are in it for a quick buck and it's not their only egg in the basket. They probably also have other uh, illicit activities into which they would plow their money. 
so you know this is always the case you have mm. uh, relatively responsible investors and then you have those who frankly don't care and those who don't care will proliferate in a context that is not well governed and I guess uh, this uh, SMS also speaks to, um, uh, you know, echoing all the sentiments that have been um, already mentioned. Alex uh, in uh, Alex Mutsamai in Mokopane saying um, the reason why Zamazama is growing in Africa is that miners um, are paid much more um, and, and when they were paid peanuts, officials and investors benefit uh, with their families. It's Great. a vicious cycle. So where to from here? As citizens, is there any recourse? Is there any way we can mobilize to prevent this from happening in our continent? Yeah, look, this is an unpopular answer, but the fact is until uh, serious labor-absorptive economic opportunities become available in the formal sector, uh, we are going to continue to see a proliferation of this problem. Uh, and obviously the drivers are different in each country context. Mm. But the, the simple bottom line remains that if people cannot find decent work uh, and, and they face economic insecurity and social insecurity, uh, then this is a last resort for many yeah. people that appears to pay relatively well. And then often before you know it, you're, you're literally in up to your knees uh, and you're trying to provide for your family uh, and, and you're trapped. I mean, there is a lock-in effect here. Uh, sometimes you don't know what you're getting yourself into, a bit like taking a job that's advertised in Dubai and before you know it, your passport's been taken away and, and you are essentially slave labor. Uh, I think that that uh, is what's happening and I, I think that... It, we have to be honest that the prospects for labor sure. absorptive growth across the continent are not good, um, but governments have to come together and have some kind of master plan. Or just stop blaming the West and, and everyone else. We need to take responsibility for the fact that we've had very poor governance That's it. Uh, for a long time. And, and we need uh, governance that, that is actually uh, cleverly committed uh, to, to economic growth that does provide employment uh, and that's that's not easy. Uh, you have to deal mm. with players like China who have distorted the global economy uh, through their own production activities. But the solution is much deeper uh, than simply shutting down mines or you know preventing. Thank uh, you, Rose. From engaging in poor, and we uh, need solutions activities. that are people-centered, not just uh, profit-driven. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for joining All us. Right, uh, that's uh, Rose Harvey, who is a senior researcher at the um, South African Institute for International. Uh,